Update time for the Northwest Minnesota Arts Council on Pioneer Radio, KSRQ and Northern Thunder. My guest today is Dale Jacobson. He joins us on the phone. Hello, Dale. Hi. Hello. How about uh, location now? Where are you at, Dale, at this moment? Where do you live? Oh, right now, we live about 20 miles north of East Grand Forks. Okay. Near Alvarado. Oh, near Alvarado. And um, it's amazing how people know people by where they live in this rural area. It's gone back for many, many years. You know, you know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody, right? <laughs> yeah, right. There are no secrets in well, small towns. A, a nice place in the country. And good, so, good, wonderful. Uh, You're enjoying life nice. in the country. That's yeah. fantastic. All right. Now, Dale is uh, listed here as a writer. Is that an accurate description for you? Yeah, it works when I'm doing it. That's true. Okay. Uh, And what do you write, Dale? What's your specialty? Well, mostly I started when I was in high school writing poetry, and that's what I've continued with. Okay. I'm now 71, so I've been doing it quite a while. Yeah, a lot of practice at 71. So a little background, if we could, Dale, where you were raised in the area? Well, I was actually raised in Marshall, but I'm, you know, uh, hardened Minnesotan. Okay. But I've taught at uh, UND for about 30, University of North Dakota for about 33 years. Mm. So I've been been here quite a while. Okay. And you were teaching poetry at UND? I would teach some creative writing. I taught uh, kind of a range of things, including freshman English. Okay. Uh, technical writing, believe it or not, for uh, strange for a poet to do that, but yeah, I enjoyed yeah. it. Okay, very good. Let's go back in time. You're a younger man, and uh, about what time in your life were you interested in poetry? How far back does that go? Uh, I would say around 16, I started reading Ferlin Getty, who's a San Francisco poet. And um, I think the thing that happened is I could put on paper all the things I couldn't put anywhere else. I think that's true of a lot of people who write poetry. Mm -hmm. And what attracts you to poetry? Why do you like it? Why do you love it? Um... Well, that, 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 that's a very big question. Thank you. <laughs> uh, there's, there's a lot of things uh, about it, but primarily I guess I would have to say it's an effort to connect with the world in a way that other other mediums don't allow. Um, uh, I, I guess by medium I mean conversation and so on. I think that's what all the arts actually try to do in some way or another is to become celebratory or express what they're feeling in in some way. Okay. Let's talk about poetry itself and the different kinds of poetry uh, to give our listeners a flavor of what that is. Uh, what kind of direction can you go in poetry? Uh, well, yeah, it's, uh, there, there's uh, 
virtually any direction you want, and there's all kinds of experimental directions that have always been attempted. I I go back to, I, I would say, Walt Whitman and his effort to... I I think poetry tries to discover freedom in some way. Mm-hmm. It um, wants to uh, find uh, a harmony between oneself and the world. It wants to be inclusive of all positive energies, and if they're not positive, at least acknowledge the negative ones as well which sometimes we can't, we're not allowed to do socially. So poetry is a way of putting into the world, via paper, for most part, things that are probably inhibited otherwise. Mm-hmm. Okay. In some way. In today's world, and our country is, at times, some folks say, changing rather rapidly, uh... Poetry, could that be a threat to some people in the fact that you may be saying some things that wouldn't be, oh, part of a, a new standard of what's right and wrong? I mean, there's a, a potential there of, you know, writing poetry and being labeled a troublemaker. <laughs> yeah, and that has uh, happened quite a lot mm-hmm. to some very famous poets and, uh, who have been censored and, and so on. Yeah. So, yeah, poetry can be a very dangerous thing to engage in. I, I'm not talking about physically for the poet, but through feedback, criticism, and so on. And, um, you, you know, a lot of Whitman wasn't initially accepted for that matter. Right. And, uh, there's any number of poets who who have been dangerous even to the state. Uh, Pablo Neruda, the Nobel Prize winning Chilean poet, had his house invaded and he was put under arrest, and he actually died under arrest mm-hmm. under Pinochet because of largely because of his poetry and political stances. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're right. Uh, there's that aspect to it. Yeah. Well, you use the word censorship, and that, for me at least, uh, Dale, is a very strong concern of mine right now in the fact that uh, expression and the First Amendment and being able to express oneself through poetry might be uh, at least attempted to be limited, and that's very unfortunate. Let's talk about something very positive now. You've published books of poetry. Tell me about those. What kind of poetry has been published? Well, I've published about... Ten books. Um, about five of those are long poems, and they they do tend to be political. Although I try to integrate the politics into a sense of the larger world, not just national, but world history. Um, so you know, I'm I'm looking at where we are in one sense, but also where we have come from. Uh, going back to the origins of life itself in in some ways. So we've always had this elemental, throw that word 
out there struggle with nature, but also with ourselves. That goes all the way back to the origins of the beginning of what we call democracy today. Um, there's always been tension there in society, class conflict and so on. But if you look at Gilgamesh, for example, the conflict there is with nature. So uh, there's always this struggle that's going on where we're trying to accomplish some sense of freedom on one hand, which so far has been sort of elusive, although I think we've gained many things along the way. So I think my long poems tend to try to look at the history of America. They try to look at the world history in, in some ways and put those things together as a long tradition of struggle. As you talk about struggling, uh, I see that as the yin and the yang, the famous phrase, the yin and the yang, yeah. Uh, let's talk about uh, constructing a poem. And I ask these questions from a listener's point of view for most of my guests, well, basically all of them, what they might ask you as a, as a guest. How does one compose poetry? Is there a skeletal scheme, schematic involved in that? How is that accomplished? Well, uh, there's different things that happen, can happen there. Um, if you're engaged in a form, then that constricts you from the very beginning, and you have to work within a rhyme scheme and meter and so on. On the other hand, you can do a blank verse or free verse and so on, and those break through some of those restrictions. For some poets, those restrictions are actually a, a benefit because they work very well within them. Um, although people tend to think most poetry has to rhyme oftentimes, and the majority of it doesn't, mm -hmm. and Shakespeare wrote most of his work in blank verse. Right. So uh, there's that. For me, I, I would say the beginning of a poem is oftentimes its first line. An image or a line will come to me, and then I, I have the opportunity to develop that further. And that's what the poem is. It's a very odd process, because in some sense, once you get that first line, something in you, even if it's unconscious, knows what the rest of the poem is. It's just up to you to discover it. I love Michelangelo's statement about rock, uh, a piece of granite. So the sculpture is already inside it. It's only his job to find it. Exactly. Exactly right. So in composing your poem, I'm assuming there are many drafts involved. And is it a case where you have ideas or thoughts that you place on paper, on your computer, and then bring those together to form that poem? Is that close? Yeah. I, I, yeah, there's this conceptual quality. I, I can think about a problem for days, months, even sometimes years mm -hmm. before it gels into a way I can put it into a poem, but it's always there kind of nagging at me. And it's, uh, I'm not saying it's unpleasant. It's actually kind of pleasant to have a problem that you're trying to work through. Sure. 
And yes, you can have a, even a philosophical point of view and try to see how that can be worked into a, a poem. And it does oftentimes happen that way. You were recently involved in online writing sessions through the Arts Council via StreamYard. Would you share with me details on that? Well, they were doing this project. uh, They have a gallery, and it sort of um, focuses on the four elements, the four elements of alchemy, earth, fire, air, and water, and then they added one to it called space. Mm-hmm. Um, and they asked me to say, well, how could I maybe prompt people into writing uh, with this focus? And my take on it was to say, you know, it occurred to me that the elements have always been very primary to our thinking, and that's what alchemy was originally about. You know, it goes back to the ancient uh, Aristotle, the Greek philosophers, and so on. Thales of Miletus saying water is the one essential element and so on. Because that's all they knew. You know, they, they, they didn't know quantum mechanics yet, so they couldn't go there. So they're trying to make sense out of the world, and they have these four elements and how they interact with each other, and that explain for them trans, the transcendence of life and so on into life. So the fifth element, which was on, uh, and a lot of people don't know, you put the four elements together, you get life. That's the fifth one. Mm-hmm. Um, For me, I took it as an opportunity to try to focus potential writers' attention on very basic things, sensory language, concrete language, because that's where we begin as children, and we still relate to the world directly through our senses. So oftentimes people will fall into an abstraction. They'll write about freedom, but they won't ask, what, what, what does that actually mean for you in concrete, specific terms? Right. Does it mean that you can have a place to live? Does it mean you have sufficient food? Does it mean you have freedom of expression, as you were talking about earlier, which I agree with you is a major issue? So I tried to focus them on their more precise individual personal experiences and then take off from there into larger issues if they wanted. You mentioned the exhibit, and uh, that's underway right now, by the way, Elemental, Earth, Air, Fire, Water, Space. And that's at the Arts Council's exhibit at Northland College, our campus in Thief River, And that'll be up and uh, open to the public until September 27th. Poetry, writing, illustration, and featuring the chalk work of artist Zach Rowat. And again, that's uh, open to the public at Northland College in Thief River until September 27th. Well, very good. Dale Jacobson, thank you so much for joining me today. And I appreciate the time and the input. That's wonderful. And um, you have a good rest of the summer, whatever's left of it, and uh, 
<laughs> are you are you officially retired, by the way, Dale? Yeah, I am. I I can wake up and not have to worry about an appointment. <laughs> That's a nice feeling, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. All right, Dale. Thank you so much. Take care. Yeah, thank you, Ron. All right, pleasure. You betcha. That's Dale Jacobson from the Alvarado area in Minnesota. And to find out more about the Northwest Minnesota Arts Council based in Warren, you can contact them. Their cell number, their phone number there in Warren, area code 218-745-8886, 218-745-8886. And check out their website, northwestminnesotaartscouncil.org. Our update from the Arts Council every Tuesday just after 3 on Pioneer 90.1.